might be in my hands. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Same as me at Ipswich, they thought it was time for a change. And it went well. Broke down. Wouldn't go any further. Welcome to a very special episode of the What The Fork podcast in association with Viber Goalkeeping. I've been very lucky to have numerous big names on the podcast, but when it comes to characters, I don't think there's many better than the man I'm about to introduce. So it discusses time at Sunderland AFC between 2003 and 2006. It's the iconic Mick McCarthy. How are you doing, Mick? Are you all right? I'm fine, thanks. I'm better than that. I'm great, thank you. Yeah. Fantastic. I think How are you to... doing? You all right? I'm getting by, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Um, it's probably not as sunny here where you are in Scotland, but it is what it is, isn't it? Such a life. <laughs> it probably is. No, anyway, we'll, uh, we won't worry about that. Let's talk about Sunderland. That's what you're here for, I think. Yes, absolutely. I see if I can remember it, mate. I've, it's a long time ago, but I'll do my best. <laughs> we'll try everything we can. Um, we'll kick off straight from the top. I think we'll go all the way back to, I believe it was March the 12th, 2003. Sunderland yeah. are rock bottom of the league. We're in complete disarray, if I remember it rightly following a catastrophic appointment of Howard Wilkinson. Um, how did the move come about? Uh, I I thought I was in with a chance of it when Howard got it, actually. I, I'd sort of had the... Uh, I'd had a mention, and, it, and I was over in Ireland, and I came back, and, and I thought I had a chance. I thought I might get a, an interview for it, because uh, I'd, I'd finished with the Ireland job, of course. And then... It was just announced. I was actually going to see Seamus McDonough in Nottingham. It was announced on the radio as he picked me up that Howard had got the job. So I was a bit bemused by that because I thought I was coming over to have an interview. <laughs> uh, when it did happen, it just it came out of the blue, as they always do. Yeah. Uh, very rare is it you get uh, too much time to plan. Um, I mean, it was when I when I look back on it afterwards. When I thought we got nine games left and we were. But we were nineteen points. If that, and the yeah. and the thought of, uh, you know, you come in and try. I just I tried to win all the games, and of course I lost them all. But there was no point in a draw, any. It was we uh, we went for it and we lost them. What were your initial impressions of Bob Murray then? Because I think he had a bit of a, a rough ride at times. But now where Son and Dart, he's, he's held in quite high esteem in comparison. But what were your thoughts on him? I always got on well with him. I hadn't got any problems with him at all. Uh, I had uh, quite a lot to do with John Ficklin, who I got on very well with. I used to go out and have dinner with Bob occasionally, a few beers. Uh, that was kind of our board meetings, much to be uh, as anything else. No, I got on fine with him. No, uh, no extra grind with him or anybody else for that matter. I just enjoyed my time there. Uh, listen, if it's you talk about budgets and things like that, the, the one, the, the biggest disappointment I ever had was when we got promoted. Yeah. And we went out for dinner and having a board meeting and they told me we had six million quid to spend. That was for everything. 
And I remember feeling so disappointed. And then maybe, me, I thought, hey, I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll get on with it and we'll stay up. We'll, we'll still stay up. I was as misguided as I did. I, I, did, I never saw, thought of myself being naive, but I was on that occasion. I remember that well, actually. And I've got a few questions on that. But before I do, um, I've interviewed a few players that have worked under yourself and, and Howard beforehand. And let's just say, I don't think they were too pleased with his methods and, and you were classed as very different. But what sort of dressing room did you in, inherit then? Well, I, I, mean, I inherited, listen, it doesn't matter, the, the manager that was there, I inherited a group of players that were bottom of the league and plummeting out of the Premier League. Uh, there was some uh, glimmer of hope, I think, when I took over that I was going to keep them up. When I look back, it was it was the most bizarre glimmer of hope you're ever likely to see. Uh, and there was injuries there. And, of course, there were people who weren't playing because of contractual disputes and things like that. Uh, there, were, there had to be money paid to other clubs, which was... Look, whenever you inherit a club near the, near the bottom of the league or bottom of the league, it's always an unhappy camp. It doesn't matter who the manager is. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult. And, uh, and that's just what I inherited. I have to say, the lads were great, though. We had, we had you know, first training sessions, got on with them, me and Taff. Uh, they were quite happy with the training sessions. We were happy with them. But we just weren't good enough. That's simple as that. Yeah, I think it's like to say simply put, yeah, pretty much. Um, as it was, the final three, sorry, final nine Premier League games you had, as you said, you went to sort of win them. But I suppose the more games we lost, you were probably thinking towards the, the next season. And I think you changed a few of the players around, specifically in the last couple of seasons to try some people out. But what was the most important thing for you to find out about the squad in those nine games moving forward? You know what? I mean, if you if you look back on that and the squad, and I, I remember I looked I looked them up, and I've I've had to look them up again here because I can't I can't remember them all. But the the players that left were like Stefan Schwartz, David David Bellion, Jurgen Macho, Leon Lazans, Bernd Haas, Gavin McCann, Jordy Craddock, Tommy Sullinson, Kevin Phillips, Nicholas Medina, Tor Andre Flo, Claudio Reyna, Emerson Tome, uh, Michael Gray. And an uncle Tom, an uncle Tom Cobley, and all it was. So they all left, and and you know I I, I remember saying, "Wow!" When I, when I started looking the names up, I thought, "Do you know what? I did a better job at Sunderland than I ever thought I did." Because then then we started signing. We took all loans and frees. Yeah, you know we uh, we took. In, it wasn't always at the same time. We we swapped. Darren Byfield for Michael Procton. He come and scored in his first game at Watford. We picked him up at the, at the roundabout in Barnsley, for heaven's sakes. Stuff like that. It, it was Honestly, it was... <laughs> some of the stuff for what Sunderland looks like, the club, it's magnificent and I loved it. And I, and I think about that training ground of the stadium. And I always used to take players when I'd signed them. I used to walk them into the director's box and let them see it. But we... we we kind of were operating like that, you know. It was just, it was just so different. The players, I took, I talked about all those players. I let go, and then we signed, and, and much maligned. And, and by the way, I've just watched him miss that penalty again for the first time, <laughs> for the first time since I, I've since it happened. I didn't watch it again. Jeff Whitley, <laughs> Gary Breen, Tommy Smith, Alan Quinn, Stuart Downing. We took on loan. Uh, 
Yeah. Kevin Cooper, Darren Byfield, Carl Robinson, Colin Coops, we took from Middlesbrough on loan. But we were, and then, you know, uh, we took really bargain buys. Uh, was it Welshy, Andy Welsh, we took from. Yeah, Andy Welsh came in, yeah, from Stockport. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, 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 we took players in that was. You know, completely implausible, you'd have thought, with all the players that had gone. And you know what? They were brilliant, the lads. They all loved being at Sunderland. They all wanted to be there. Uh, and, and the lads who had left in the end of 2003, they ultimately got the club relegated, but couldn't wait to get out the door. You know, it was it was a good thing when they went, to be honest, because uh, all the others came in and they were hungry, wanted to be there, and they did great for me. I was going to ask about the players that left. I think the big one, there was a lot more, and you named most of them there, but the big ones for me were like Rainer, Philip, Sorensen, McCann, was in the big hitters. Yeah. Do you think, is there any of them that you think, if it wasn't for the case of we had to make money on them, would have stayed and, and fought for the place, or do you think they all wanted away? No. I don't want to be disrespectful to people like Kevin Phillips, who was a magnificent player for Sunderland, but he didn't want to play in the... Uh, the championship? No, he didn't, and I don't blame him. He just he won the golden boot the year before or two years before. Why would he want to play in the championship? True. So I, I, I had no axe to grind with them either, and it, it was time for them to go. They'd had the time. The club had got relegated, and as it turned out, the players that came in they weren't of that ilk. The names I've mentioned, but they were great. You know, there was some Neil Neil Collins came in from Scotland, and unbelievable signings that they just did. So, so well for us. It was fantastic. Another part of that sort of um, period of time, shall we say, there was a few free transfers that came in. Gary Breen was also like the the young players that you promoted. I mean, off the top of my head, you've got Sean Thornton, George McCartney and Kevin Kyle. All didn't just become bit part players. They became a real part of the nucleus of the squad. And I think in particular, Kevin Kyle always struck me as a Mick McCarthy player, whatever that may be. I knew that you loved him. I could just tell. But what was it about... Kevin Kyle and George McCartney and the young players that, that you enjoyed so much that you'd give them a chance? Well, I love Kyle because I thought how much I've... I always used to play against players like him and uh, they're a real handful. You know, he could, oh, he could handle himself. He was he was actually good on the deck, Kevin. A big, powerful lad. He could run the channels and he used to upset defenders. Well, if you upset defenders, you get chances off them. Uh, he was, and it was sad for him because he ended up having a hip injury, a hip yeah. uh, operation, I think, a couple of times, and put him out for a long, long time. I actually, we took him down to Wolves then, myself and Taff. He came down there and trained. I think he played, if my memory serves me right, but he certainly came down there. Uh, George McCartney was just terrific. I mean, he was up and down that left side. He was, he was fantastic and real tough. Tough left back. I really, I really liked him. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was a. I thought he was a fantastic player for us. And Sean, Sean Thornton. Wow, I mean, that's he gave me, he gave me as many headaches as he did. He gave me, you know, wonderful days because he he got wonderful talent, but. Uh, it was a challenge. Let's just say that it was a challenge. I was going to say because I've, I've interviewed Jeff Whitley, and, and Jeff Whitley, I think, has been quite open and honest in that, that that he was difficult and he had his problems, and he's come through them and he's doing really well. Yeah. But but Sean's kind of no one really knows what's happened to him. But how, how difficult was Sean Thornton to manage? Uh, you know, not, not in terms of any uh, aggravation with me, because if I said anything to him on the training ground, he did it, and if I said him. 
But, you know, he did have a penchant for a couple of pints, him and Jeff, and, uh, and uh, you know, going out on a night when they shouldn't be going out, because that's, just, that's just, just what they did. And, I mean, he was, was a lovely kid, actually. He really was a lovely kid, but he, he wanted to do the things he shouldn't have been doing when he was a professional footballer. Uh, and, he, and he was as daft as a brush at times. And, and Jeff, of course, was, was older than him. And uh, they, they, you know, birds of a feather, <laughs> they said, flocked together. Them two, them two linked up and uh, they caused me a few headaches, the pair of them did. But equally, I, I, you know, I loved the pair of them, to be honest with you. They were, they were great. You feel like Sean could have done much more than he did? Well, probably a stupid question because of how talented he was, but he should have done no, more, I don't. He? No, I don't think so. I know he could. He was out undoubted. He got a wonderful talent. Some of the goals he scored and free kicks he scored. And, he, and he's one of those players that the crowd all loved and thought he should be playing all the time. But uh, there were some times he caused us as many problems as he caused the opposition, I'm afraid. But that was him, you know. And he, he played off the cuff and he was one of those... Uh, Oh, a bit cavalier, and 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 the things he did, of course, entertained. But I'm I'm talking about a hard-nosed professional like me and like Taff, and we're seeing the other things in the game. Uh, and it was sad actually that he that he didn't really fulfil his potential. Although I think some would still say he had a good career there. Yeah, he didn't do too bad. It's still a career, isn't it? But I felt like he could have been Premiership level at points. Um, with <laughs> there's got to be a story I need to ask you about here, and I, I hope you remember it. But um, I was talking to Matt Piper, and I don't know if this is you've come across this, but he was speaking about a time he came back from an away game, and um, there was some Newcastle fans shouting at you in the airport. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are your memories of it? Uh, yeah, we were we were walking back to the car park, and I was I was just getting abused, so I I that's why I dropped my bag and I <laughs> I rounded on them, and. Uh, I said, I beg your pardon. And anyway, then they were, they were coming towards me, so I was, I was going towards them. And the next thing I know, it was uh, uh, Mickey Holland. Mickey Holland Mickey was stood Holland. beside me. Yeah. So he said, uh, what's happening, Gaffer? I said, I think there's going to be trouble, mate. <laughs> he said, well, <laughs> if there's going to be trouble, then there's two of us. And then suddenly it was, it was not uh, just me, the, the Sunderland manager against these two Newcastle fans. It was it was me and Mickey Holland. So uh, I think they, they did an about turn and went. So heard some great stories about Mickey Holland. Ah, uh, Mickey Holland's great. Honestly, he was he was different class. He was he was one of those one of those uh, people at football clubs that keep the place buzzing, bubbling, all different things. You know, he he was just he's one of those characters. I loved him. Uh, and, and even more so when he was stood next to me. <laughs> he was going to kick off. <laughs> um, talking about the players that you brought in, there's a, a recurring theme, I've got to be honest, from the players I've interviewed who played under the Wolves, the ones at Sunderland. Um, they've all said, none of them have had a bad word to say about you at all, genuinely. Nice. Um, you know, maybe I've just not found them yet, who knows? But <laughs> You'll um, get somebody, don't worry. <laughs> they basically simply said that you were so honest with them that that's why they respected you and loved playing under you. So, um, from from me to you as a as a manager, why do you think honesty and openness is so important as a manager? Because players don't like being lied to, or being given BS to. Yeah. If you're leaving them out, tell them the reasons. Don't 
don't waffle, don't, because they know they're waffling, because, they, you know, they just do. Because I did. Not that I got left out too often, I didn't. Because, you know, I didn't. No, I didn't. Really, I was, a, you know, I ended up being an international footballer. So, and when I did, it was Billy McNeil once or twice, and he didn't give me any BS, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and I always appreciated that. And I could never understand why, you know, you go to see managers and they'll tell you, well, yeah, we, we, I'm leaving out because this happened or that. And it's even no to do with that at all, you know. So I would just say, I'm leaving out because I don't think you played well. And I'm leaving you out because actually I want to play somebody else today. And they go, well, but I want to play. I said, oh, no, you don't. And so does this other fellow want to play. And I think this team, playing against that team, it will suit me better if I play him. And, of course, it's great if it works, because then they don't come in on Monday morning. If it doesn't work, they're, they're knocking at your door first thing. But at least I told them the reason why. I was just truthful with them. Yeah. Do you think that's come why on, it We festered? all like to be told the truth, don't you? like being told the truth. You'd Absolutely. hate it, wouldn't you? If you've got to work and, and the boss tells you lies. I like it sugarcoated you know, sometimes, but I'm a very different guy. <laughs> I do yeah, prefer well, I, I, yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I might have manipulated it once or twice, of course, <laughs> I have, you know, to protect the innocent. But ultimately, yeah, I was, I was honest with them. That's, yep. And I think people like that. I certainly do. Do you think that's why the Mick McCarthy side at Sunderland in particular and, and other sides as well, to be honest, have had such a good team spirit across the whole A team that's in the squad per day? You never see yeah. them in fighting. No, there wasn't any infighting. They were they were all great mates. All got on well together. Great camaraderie, and I think if you're honest uh, off the pitch, you'll be honest on the pitch. You know. Yeah. And you know, I, I the, we weren't never going to go down as the best team that Sunderland's ever seen. I doubt that. But I'll tell you what, they go down as one of the most honest teams and hard working, and uh, you know, teams that I, I, well that a club could be proud of. Yeah. That's for sure. That, that came from. I mean, it really did come out of the ashes, that team. From from the team that got relegated uh, to the team then that got promoted two years. Well, it ended up in the semi-final of the Cup, the playoffs, and getting promoted the following season. For what it cost and what those, where those players had come from, it was, it was remarkable. They were brilliant, honestly. They were a great bunch of lads. We've I've spoken about it a few times recently, especially with where Sunderland are now, and people sometimes look at that team and say, those players, like young players, pre-transfers, loans and all this kind of stuff. But it got us promoted. It got us to the playoffs. It got to an FA Cup semi-final. One thing I wanted to ask about that was the FA Cup semi-final, obviously, what are your memories of that day as disappointing as that may have been results-wise? Yeah, just it was disappointing. We hit the crossbar, didn't we? John Oster. John the Oster. And then was their shot deflected and flew in. And it was we didn't... We didn't play brilliant. It wasn't a brilliant game, from what I remember. I mean, I think semi-finals of the cup are they? Are there many, many semi-finals brilliant? It's just who wins that yeah. thinks it's a brilliant game. Because we didn't. Uh, no, I can't remember much of it. I have to be honest. It's. Uh, I'm just trying to think who scored. It was the Australian. Tim Cahill. Yeah. Tim Cahill scored, didn't he? He scored about 40 uh, goals against us in the years that came I know, after that. I, I know, and the irony of that is I was the one instrumental in bringing him over to Millwall before I left. So <laughs> um, that, was a, that was a good way of kicking me back in the teeth, wasn't it? Good player, uh, to be fair. He was a fabulous player, then, to be honest. Now, the game was the game was a non-event, really. and we, we, we at the crossbar, there weren't many chances in it. They nicked a goal and that was it. And, and it was just a big disappointment for us. 
Yeah. Fabulous day up until kickoff was one of those days, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As it was, you mentioned it a bit before, but Jeff Whitley's penalty is one of my, at the time it wasn't, but it's one of my funniest memories of you personally because of your reaction. Oh, if you man. remember, what was going through your head as he, as he took it? We'd been practising those penalties all week. And I said to him, uh, I said to them all, and they, they were they were messing around. They were fluting around on the training ground, like dinking them. I said, hold on a minute, let's let's just clear something up here. If you're taking a penalty, you pick your spot, you put your foot through it, hit it with some force, and if, if he saves it, I can't worry about it. I'll forgive you. But I said, if you're going to do one, and of course, when he steps up and he does that chip, my God, I was, I was, I, I, oh, I was incandescent with rage. I can't tell you how <laughs> angry I was. In fact, uh, when I went in back into my office, there's an office there where the managers' coaches get stripped and have a drink afterwards. I threw a cup at the wall, and. The, the, the indentation was in there. It must have been an inch deep in the wall. And then it smashed everywhere in the cup. And then someone came in and said, oh, don't, don't worry about it, Mick. We'll have that repaired. I said, don't you effing touch that. You leave that. You leave that and you repair it when we get promoted. Anyway, thankfully it was, repaired. it was repaired in 12 months' time. <laughs> but, oh, I was... I, I, and I was raging. I was raging at him. I was raging at everything that we'd lost. I'm I'm raging. I'm, I'm still raging now. Even when I see the foul on Mark Boom, oh, for when the, the Palace goal, for a Palace goal, yeah. And uh, I watched that for the first time back a while ago, and it still annoyed me, and it still upset me, and it would now if I watch it. So there was all that going on, and then I'd I'd had a right blast at uh, Jeff, and I actually phoned him on his way home. Then I had to phone him and. Apologise for my. Uh, I mean, not so much for me. Uh, maybe what I said to him, I guess I was. I, I, I slaughtered him. I think, but he didn't deserve that because he'd done so well. But you know, people make mistakes, but that was me. I was. I was angry. I was upset. I was hurting. I'm afraid. I think there's a few of us that night, if I remember rightly. But put right a year later. But a big part of putting that right and we talked before about young players being brought in and stuff like that with McCartney but you inherited and brought in a lot of players that nobody knew the name of and they ended up becoming mm. solid professional Premier League footballers not just good Division 1 or Championship players so you brought in Whitehead, Lawrence, Stephen Elliott, Danny Collins they were the standouts um, yeah yeah, they did well then what made you so sure that they going down that route of youth and the likes of Gary Breen, that experienced Marcus Stewart, was the right path for that season? Oh, they, were, they, were, they were my kind of players, um, Liam Lawrence. They were the young, up-and-coming ones, Dean Whitehead. I went, we went to watch them, of course, and scouted them and liked them. And, and they, could have just, they just brought a, a breath of fresh air into the place, as well as energy and legs. Uh, Danny Collins was, a, was an absolute no-brainer. I saw him, he was playing for Chester. We played against him in the Cup, didn't we? Yeah, the Cup, yeah. Uh, and, and the thought then that we could sign him, I thought he, he was he was different class, Danny. Man, as, as the other two were, who was the other one we mentioned there? Stephen Elliott. Oh, Sleeves was, yeah, we, we'd seen him. And Dave Bowman, my uh, chief scout at the time and still works with me now, uh, who lives up in the northeast, uh, 
he knew them from uh, from Manchester City. Uh, we we seen him. We decided to take. Well, did we take, we took him on loan first. Or did we sign him straight? No, he sent him a free transfer. That's and right. Went to he sent him a free transfer. We'd seen a little bit of him, and we'd been watching him, and thought he's, he's definitely worth a chance. He's just a goal scorer, and he scored on his debut. Then he went in, almost run from the halfway line and scored. True. And I thought he was, I mean, he was brilliant, to be fair. I think, sadly, he got some injuries. I'm still in touch with sleeves. I'm still in touch with loads of them. I hear from loads of the guys. But uh, Steve, uh, sleeves, is he, is he... Do you know why he got called sleeves? It was something to do with him pulling his like, sleeves down over his hands or something like that. Is no, that right? it was, I think, if my... It, no, I, just, the, the, that I understand was, there was something like going into a fight, and he said, what is it, sleeves up? Oh, like roll your sleeves up, you know. And he said sleeves up, and all the lads all looked at him. Stuck. You what? <laughs> and he got sleeves, and it stuck. And I still call him that now to this day. I think he still called that on on Twitter and all his social media and stuff like that. Good lad. No, he's a he's a great lad. He's great really lad. Yeah, really I, I really like uh, Steve. Talking about players that you you brought in, I a lot of the times, and a lot of people speak about uh, the characters you need. Sunland to be a player that's successful or can at least take Sunland. I think you've got a good idea of it. What kind of character, what type of character do you think you need to have to succeed at Sunland as a player or as a manager? Well, I tell you what, why it, I think it really worked with us is because they all they weren't. I don't. I don't think they thought there were Sunderland players when they came here of the year before when they were in the Premier League and everything was glittered was gold. The lads, the likes of Andy Welsh and, and uh, Neil Collins and all the lads we've gone on to mention, Dean White, Ed, Liam Lawrence, they wanted to they were they wanted to aspire. They were aspiring to be Sunderland players. They were aspiring to be, you know, uh, playing for a bigger club, playing on that beautiful in that beautiful stadium, and it inspired them. And and they ran around and they worked and they all wanted to get better. They weren't lads who were brought in with a reputation and then found out that they couldn't live up to it. There was the, and, I, and I just saw that in abundance. I mean, I saw it when I signed players in the Premier League. Uh, it went the other way. Players who I thought would be would be good for us didn't hack it, you know. So, But the lads, who, the, the, I just thought they were up and coming, wanted to, wanted to play. They were good characters. They were good players in their own clubs as well. Yeah, you know, Liam Lawrence was their top player. Dean Whitehead was the top player. Welsh had been doing well at Stockport, all being, but that was Taff. Taff had seen him playing a game and said, "Listen, we ought to have a look at him." We did, signed him. Uh, they, they just, uh, they all gelled together. It was great. But it, it was, you said before about that honesty. The, they were all in, all grafting, all wanted to do well. It, it was, it was such a lovely atmosphere to work with them all. When it comes to, I know this is like asking me to pick your favourite kid, but who do you think was your best signing for Sunderland? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think I think playing Julio Arca at left back was my best signing. That's <laughs> be brilliant. I mean, he was a midfield player and ended up being the best signing. Breeny was a good signing. Breeny, yeah. and, I, and I signed him at Wolves. He, he really was... Uh, Go on, tell me. I'm just trying to think of them now. Tell you it's, what, it's hard, that one. 
Who you I know, think's Whitehead. Whitehead would be mine because he captained the club, he got two promotions, and he got sold for five million. Well, I can't argue with that. Dean Whitehead would be certainly up there with him, and he had he ended up having a great career all over the place. Uh, and, and and he was there was never any uh, there was never any trouble with him either. Dean yeah. Whitehead, such a straight stand-up guy, he was he was brilliant. So I I would agree with you actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great play, Dean Whitehead. I thought he was actually yeah. highly underrated. But talking of good signings, there's a reason I asked that question because there's going to be one signing that I come through that I think universally we might all agree didn't really work out. But I want to ask a different question in, in a sense. <laughs> um, during the season, it never really got documented as to why, uh, Mart Poom and Thomas Myra were both allowed to leave the club and we brought in Kelvin Davis, which just didn't work out. Um, no. did, did you ever regret that at, after the season that we had? Uh, well, who else went? Tommy Sorensen. Tommy Myra. Tommy Myra. Tom, and Mark Thomas Poom. Myra. Thomas Myra wanted to leave. Simple as that. He was out of contract. He was. I'd, that's right. I, I, I'd inherited all of those contracts at the time, and they were on Premier League money. They were never going to reinstate him on that kind of dough. So he he got a better deal elsewhere. Pumi. I think Pumi. Pumi wanted to go back to Estonia, and he wanted to go coaching. You went to Arsenal and then joined up with Estonia Pumi as well. Did. I think. Pumi did, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not God's gift to answers. But if he's leaving Sunderland to go to Arsenal at the time, I think I might have gone as well if that was trooping on. So that, that there's your. I think he went, did he go as a second keeper? Second or third, something like second that. Second or yeah. third, yeah. But uh, so it wasn't that we didn't want to keep him, and then you know. Uh, I'm afraid uh, Super Kelvin Davis he didn't work out for us at all. And the first game that he played, we were over in Germany. And we, uh, AZ Altmar we played. I was oh, at the game. In Holland, it was in Holland. Holland. I was at that game, yeah. He was unbelievable. He was. He was we absolutely could, unreal. We, we could have been beaten six that day. And we won 1-0, I think. Tommy Miller scored. <laughs> we won 1-0 and we could have been beaten six. And I thought I'd sign the next England goalkeeper. I mean, I always liked him, and it just didn't work out for him. No. And I remember on his on the on the first game of the season, we lost three 0 to Charlton, and we were pretty abject, to be honest. And and I think a couple of the goals, you know, Kelvin could have done better. And and he wasn't. He was never the biggest keeper, but he was he was visibly shrinking, Kelvin, at the time. The nets just seemed to be getting bigger and bigger around him. And, he, and he, I said he was one of those, and I thought he was. A, and he ended up having a really good career. Went back to Southampton and, and played. Yeah, he did great. Premier League football. It just didn't work out, and I've mm. no idea why. Another player you signed in that summer that maybe started off badly, but ended up being an absolute cult hero and a legend at someone really. Uh, Nyron Nosworthy, but another brilliant Mick McCarthy moment is your face when he puts the ball up from the halfway line. What's your memories of that? When he what? Put the when ball. Put the ball out from the halfway line against Middlesbrough. Your face was an absolute picture. I can't honestly can't remember. Nugsy and I going great and all, and I thought he was brilliant. But he ended up uh he was bit powerful, uh a really tough character, really good defender, yeah. really quick. Uh and he'd do things and he do things with the ball that you never thought he was gonna do. And he'd, he'd do the most weird, simple thing that he wouldn't do, and then he'd do something unbelievable. Cruyff turned Ronaldo and, once. 
Oh, it was it was great, and such a lovely guy as well. But we went to um, we were pre-season in America, and we're in Vancouver. And I asked because he ended up playing centre half, and he was amazing. He had a great career. Yeah, he was centre great centre half. But I played him at centre half that day, and I thought, wow, that's uh, that ain't ever going to happen again. We didn't want to play there. He said, oh, he said, I'm not so sure. I said, go on, go and play. It's only, it's only a pre-season friendly. Oh, wow. It was, he had a bit of a mare. And he ended up being brilliant. Great centre-half. Uh, and uh, yeah, and ended up being a really good sign. What did he get from Gillingham? Gillingham on a free transfer. Yeah. 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 Good guy. Have you ever been... Yeah, we had, we, had, we had a good eye for that. We had a good touch for that. Myself, Taft, Dave Bowman. You know, we watched a lot of games. And uh, we, we got good contacts. With uh, with Nyron, have you ever been on the drink with him? On the drink? Because he can really... I, I went on one night when he, he was out with him and I swear to God, that man can drink Guinness like no one's business. <laughs> and it doesn't touch him. No, I've, I've never been out of the drink with him. I'll have, to, I'll have to try it. I'm getting on a bit now, though. I might not be able to keep up with him. He can put it away, Mick. I'll tell you that for nothing. He yeah. can really put it away. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, with the, the Premier League season, we did touch on it a little bit before and everyone knows this. You weren't given enough. I've spoken to John Stead. I've spoken to players from that era. You weren't given enough. I think it's universal almost. But in a utopian world, how much do you think you needed that summer to improve the squad um, when we went up? I've no idea. I regret now even spending the money I did. And uh, I wish I'd kept the lads that we'd got, and which, I, which I pretty much did when I went to Wolves and we got promoted. We won the league there. Uh, and the first year, we probably kept the lads that we had. And then the second year we added a few. So I'm just just telling you, I'll just I'll go back to Sunderland. And then in the third season in the Premier League at Wolves, we then had a bit more money and tried to spend it on other players. And a bit like at Sunderland, you ended up with players that weren't that much better. In fact, probably no better than the ones we'd already got. I, I wish I'd have shelled that six million quid and just said, I'll tell you what, let's have a go with the lads we've got. We probably would have done just as well. Or just as yeah. bad as, as the case might be. <laughs> it was, you know, I spoke to Julio literally two days ago and every oh, yeah. player said the same. We never got hammered that season. It was one no, or two we goals. Were in, we were in games, to be fair. I know we were. Um, it, it just, it was, it was so disappointing after, after the first season of playoffs and semi-final and winning it. But it is disappointing when you get promoted. Mm-hmm. Because you've been used to winning what twenty-five games a season when you get promoted, and you go up. If you win ten, you're thrilled. You know you've got your thirty points, and you've got to nick a few draws. You get thirty-eight. You might stay up. It's bonkers. The dip, the shift in feelings, is just irrational, really. But yeah. uh, you know you could be happy with ten wins when you really wanted thirty the year before. Yeah, and I think, what did we get that year? Three? 25, 20, 20 some, you know, it's, the difference is incredible. Yeah. When it comes to that season in particular, and I'm probably speaking personally here, but I think people will agree with me on it. You were sacked almost three seasons after you'd, you'd been appointed, and it was after we got beat at Man City, because I remember I was there. So when it comes to your, your sacking and stuff like that, I mean... I remember you, you were in your car and you got interviewed beforehand and yeah, look, it was a poor season and, and we did struggle an awful lot and I think we knew early on we were going down because 
not enough was invested. But I think people thought you were dealt quite a tough hand. I don't really think anyone looked at the managers if it was your fault. Did you feel similar to that? Or did you see it coming? Oh, I knew I could see it coming. Yeah, uh, I I actually think uh, I don't know if you remember we we played Spurs. Was it the week before we played Manchester City? And we drew. Daryl Murphy scored an equaliser in the 90th minute. Yeah. Uh, and I remember going into the boardroom after the game, which I went in after, after every game to see them, the directors. And I got a real sense of disappointment that we'd actually drawn, <laughs> that we'd equalised. Honestly, I thought, wow. And I remember saying to, I remember saying to Fiona, my wife, I said... Uh, I think uh, I think I'd, I think I'd have gone after that game had we lost it, but because we'd drawn it, it was probably difficult to do. And yeah. I might be I might be wrong, but there was one or two people I got a real sense of disappointment from that there were. It wasn't jubilation that we just nicked a point out of Tottenham and we might have a chance of staying up. It was it was completely different. Uh, you, I could just see. I could sort of sense it coming. I guess I just got a call on the Monday morning and uh, no surprise, no surprise. Yeah, I've been surprised at the time. I don't, I don't think it's... Uh, it's just results. You need results. I'm very pragmatic about that. You need, you need results. If you don't get results, no matter what hand you've been dealt, you're expected to do better. Uh, some of the signings hadn't worked out. It wasn't going... You know, we... We weren't nicking points. We didn't look like we, we did against Tottenham, and then we were getting we were getting cut adrift. So no surprise. And I've always said I've no action to grind with them. Do you would you have liked knowing what came with Quinny literally a few months later? Would you have liked to crack at it yourself? Oh yeah, of course I would. Yeah, uh, that 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 disappointed me as much as anything that I'd gone through the. Getting shut of all those players that I mentioned, that was a real cull. That was a, you know, uh, that was the day of the long knives or the, or the pre-season of the long knives, all them boys going and then signing all the lads that we'd signed and done ever so well with with Thrump and Zaytony, really, compared to other clubs at the, at the size of the club that we had. So I felt, I did feel, uh, yeah, disappointed, a bit let down then. Not when I lost my job in the Premier League because we were losing games. But uh, afterwards, I thought, well, I'd have liked a bit of that opportunity, I have to be honest. Yeah. With Sunderland as it was then as well, obviously, of all the appointments you could have made from Mick McCarthy, we pretty much went to Roy Keane within months. Um, it was well documented, the situation. We don't need to go into that. But what did you make of the appointment being like the last Sunderland manager, seeing Roy Keane being given that that job? Do you think it was, were you a bit like weirded out by it all or? Uh, yeah, I remember Quinny telling me actually. He phoned me up to tell me, so I thought it was a. It's all a bit strange with everything, all the other goings on. Yeah. But uh, look, that's that's football, you know. And uh, and ultimately, you know, he ended up. I mean, a, a fair chunk of money, but he got him promoted. So fair play. I remember with. Um, I was talking to Neil Collins only a few weeks back, and he was mentioning how. He was the first player to make you and Roy Keane speak after Saipan. <laughs> He's quite proud of it, actually. Apparently, when you, you put was him on that? loan. What, what was it? Sent what him was on loan. You took him on loan at Wolves, I think. Yeah, I did, yeah. What, what is it? It? Oh, is that, is that because I had to ring up and ask him to take him on loan? I think so. He's quite proud of it, Neil <laughs> Collins was, yeah. He's quite proud of it. He said, 
when it comes to Sunderland jobs and managers and appointments and all that kind of stuff, before Jack Ross was appointed as manager in 2018 when Stuart Donald took over, there was huge rumours that you were linked to the job. Um, did Mick McCarthy ever potentially come back? That, 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 that story all came about because uh, Dave Bowman, my, my pal who lives in Washington, he had, a, he had a BMW. I said, I'll buy that off you. His lease was up. I said, I'll buy it off you. only got 16,000 miles on it. Lovely car. I said, I'll have it off you, that, for my wife. So, yeah, okay. So I got on the train to come up and, and uh, bring the car back. The day after, Chris Coleman had been sacked. Chris Coleman had been sacked, but, but not, you know, this was completely unattached to me coming up to pick this car up. And I was coming up to have lunch with Dave and, and see him. So I got on the train and there's only me on it and there's a guy emptying the bins and he, he sees me and he does a double take and then he, he came back again and did something else. And he says, uh, you're Mick McCarthy, aren't you? I said, I am, yeah, how are you doing? You're going for the Sunderland job, aren't you taking the Sunderland? I said, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not. You are. I said, I'm not. He said, I don't believe you. I said, well, believe me or not, I, I'm, I'm going to pick a car up from my pal. Why I should feel I should have to tell him that is beyond me anyway. <laughs> so uh, anyway, he goes out, he comes back, he said, uh, anyway, I don't believe you and I've had 100 quid on it at 11 to 3 or something. I said, well, you're not getting your money, mate. You don't. Whatever, whatever odds you got. So then I go up to the... Uh, the garage, the BMW garage, where we used to get our cars from. What's it called? It Mill, is it? Mill BMW, whatever it was called. And we, me and Dave go for lunch in the pub next door. And then it's 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 all over the place. I can't help it that they've sacked uh, Chris Coleman the day before because I'm there, so the story gets out. It went mad. My phone was going mad. Dave's phone was going mad. And I was never coming back. It was never nobody had ever asked me to speak to anybody or anything. I was I came up to pick a car up and caused the real stink. There was literally no contact whatsoever then. No, no, not at all. No, Jack Jack Ross, I thought was a really good signing as well. I thought it was a good appointment. I, I've been too critical of Jack Ross to, to say I agree, but that brings me. Yeah, well, ah, it is what it is. It's opinions, isn't it? But it's all opinions, yeah. That's all that football is, really. But what what do you make of where Sunderland are at at the minute? Because it must it must hurt as someone. I mean, I spoke to Julio the other day, and he said he couldn't even watch Sunderland till I die because he's just not the club he recognises. But you're someone who stud, study um, studied that. Well, shift. I watched I watched uh, Sunderland till I die, and I thought it was incredible. Uh, arrogance and hubris actually to think that uh, I just think they thought it was all going to be at the end of that series and season it was just going to be champagne and everybody's going to and it don't work like that does it you know so uh, I would hate it to have been involved in that I felt sorry for Simon Grayson I thought he was portrayed badly in it I, I mean I don't know what they did with the editing but I don't think they, they didn't really look after Simon very well However, he did. I don't think he, you know, came out of it. Uh, I don't know how many games uh, uh, Chris had. I don't know. I don't between them. I don't know where the split was with games. I think it was literally in the half. I think it was half yeah, and half you know, actually. Um, so I watched it and <laughs> I found it talk early cringeworthy and sometimes entertaining and 
but it was funny watching it for it's a club I've I've been at yeah. and, uh, and and enjoyed working there and, and still love the place really. Um, so it, it was it was sad. It, it really was. And and uh, you know Phil Parkinson, I think he's. I've always liked Phil. He's he's a bit like me. He seems to get the thin end of the wedge with sometimes with jobs. He had he had Bolton for a long time into very money. Uh, where was it? It was at Colchester. He's, he's done his, his, you know, he's earned his stripes like going around. And I know he lost at the weekend, but other than that, I think he'd been doing well. And I don't know what funds he's had or what, you know, I don't know what he's been given in terms of no. a budget. Well, you know, it's hard then to be critical of, of people. I wouldn't be critical of him because I like him. I think he's uh, he's an hardworking guy who's 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 been around the uh, the circuit a bit like myself. Do you think? What what do you think needs to change at Sunderland for us to be back at least somewhere where Sunderland in brackets should be, so to speak, for the size of the club that we are? I don't know. I haven't got the answer to it. From from the outside looking in, I haven't got a clue. When you're inside, you can see it better if you know the players. And ultimately, it's it's the players on the pitch that will do it. It's the players on the pitch that will galvanise the supporters and the, and the fans behind them. Uh the manager, the coach, the the feeling amongst them, the team spirit. I mean, surely we know fans in them. They've lost a, they've lost a real, almost an extra player. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it is. You know, great place to play when the place is buzzing and the fans are behind you, uh, and then a difficult place to play for the opposition. So, I don't know, and I I, I am. I don't study their team too much to be able to say, and I wouldn't say it. Anyway, I wouldn't be critical of anybody because it's not it's not my role to do that. Final question then, and it's a probably a difficult question to answer, but I'll ask it anyway. You, when you were at Sunderland, I remember when we got promoted. I remember what it, you could see what it meant to you and Taff at the time. So mm. your three years at Sunderland, if you could sum it up in a paragraph or, or whatever, what did it mean to you? Uh. Pretty much everything because it, uh, it, it, I thought it reinstated me as a, as a serious coach and manager, from the having having been in the World Cup of two thousand two, and and then leaving the way I did from Ireland. You know, I needed to have a, a job that I could knuckle down and be a success at. And there was no better job really than Sunderland, who got relegated with what was it, 19 points, you know, and then to, well, to rehabilitate myself and the club at the same time is what we did. You know, I got I got myself back on, not that I was ever off track, but I, need, I needed a job that I needed to be a successor. All the, I'm saying that. We were in the last 16 of the World Cup, by the way, you know, in 2002. It wasn't like I made a failure of that job. Yeah, you did all but right. It was, it was in the circumstances <laughs> it all ended. Then I needed to. Uh, it's a bit longer than a paragraph, this, but I need. I needed to Fine. get into a job and do and do well at it, and which I did. And and in the meantime, you know, like I said, the both of us rehabilitated the club and me, and we ended up having. We had three great seasons, you know. I I, I loved it. I, I, it was such a wonderful time. Would you do it again? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, if if uh, the opportunity arose, but it's not. I'm I'm working now myself, so I'm quite happy doing what I'm doing. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm here for 19 months, so at least. 
Let's hope it's more. Let's yes. hope it's more. Top well, in me tunnel. Well, good luck with it, Mick. Uh, thanks so much for well, coming on the chat. It's a pleasure. And uh, good luck with everything. I, I hope you get promoted this year. Be great. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs>